the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So this is what Paul is telling Timothy. This is what he's telling him he's facing. Timothy, there is an urgency to this charge to preach the word because the time is limited. We don't know how long the church at Ephesus is going to to listen to you, is going to listen to anybody proclaim God's word. So preach it now while the door is still open. Proclaim the word of God. I come from the land of the urgent. In my 20-some-odd years in industry, downtime on a machine might cost the company up to $100 a minute, maybe more. Management wanted to know how soon it would be running, and lollygagging was not tolerated. But that was just money. Paul and Timothy were dealing with eternal souls, something much more precious than the bottom line of a spreadsheet. You and I are also dealing with eternal souls every time we interact with the people around us. We, too, need a sense of urgency. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are in the midst of a series of lessons from 2 Timothy, in which Paul outlined for the young pastor some of the hard times he could expect, along with the need for Timothy to be faithful in accurately preaching God's Word, in spite of the tough times he faced. Today we'll be moving on to the next few verses in 2 Timothy 4, in which Paul says, basically, Hey, you need to get on this because time is limited. People won't always listen to the truth, so you'd better tell it to them now while you still have the chance. Or, as the farmers would say, we need to make hay while the sun is shining. That said, I guess we'd better get started. Here's Pastor Steve. So if you'll open your Bibles there, we'll see what God has to say to us. Chapter 4 begins this way, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Time has been on my mind this last week. I suppose all of us from from time to time have time on our minds. And with that, uh, really that thought on my mind, and thinking about time this week, a letter came. It was not a letter personally addressed to me. It was a letter uh, addressed to those who are uh, in support of and behind the ministry of the Friends of Israel. And it was, I guess, a form letter from Marv Rosenthal. And he started out this letter by saying this. He said, perhaps it shouldn't amaze me, but it does. I'm referring to time. And the fact that the older I get, the faster it seems to pass. Here we are in the fall of the year already. Before long, 1988 will be history, time that can never be uh, relived. Only remembrances in the memory bank of our minds. Within my heart, there is a burning desire to make each day one that will be meaningful in the light of eternity. And I, I guess I was thinking about that too. Time places upon us a sense of urgency. That's what time does. 
It pushes us forward in our tasks. It reminds us that it's running out. The clock doesn't stop for anybody. It drives us to press ahead. We are racing against the clock because we know that it just doesn't stand still no matter who you are. Time races on. It is running out on us and it is running out on us in the sense of what we feel we want to accomplish for God's glory. When Paul wrote Second Timothy, I am convinced that time was on his mind. I know this to be the case because the tone of the letter is one of urgency. You don't have to be a scholar to figure that out. Paul writes as he is in prison in Rome. He's shut up in a dungeon. It's a damp, stinking place in which some men just rot and die there. And Paul knows that he is about to be offered up as a sacrifice. He knows that he's about to be uh, beheaded. He doesn't know when, but he knows, according to chapter 4, and we've read this before, that time is running out. And it's with this sense of urgency that Paul makes his appeals to Timothy, his son in the faith. And I, and I see this throughout the letter. For instance, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, there's a sense of urgency here, a sense of, of, Timothy, you've got to do this. I don't have much time. He says, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who indwells us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. In other words, Timothy, you heard it from me. My time is running out. Guard it, retain it, take it with you because you're not always going to have me around to help you out on this. You're not always going to have me around to remind you of these things. You've got to retain it now. You've got to guard it. You can't let it go because I'm not going to be here to give you any more. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two, and the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Timothy, I gave it to you. I invested my life in you. Now you run with it. You take that football and you pass it on to another guy who's going to pass it on to another guy. It's that type of a thing. The tone of is urgency. You heard it from me. Now don't stand still with it, but pass it on to somebody else. And so it's always the word. He he comes to Second Timothy three, fourteen, and he says, "You, however, continue in the things that you've learned to become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them." Don't deviate from the truth. Why? Because this truth, according to verse 16, is, is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed out. It is inspired. It is profitable for, for doctrine and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. These words of truth are God-breathed and they are profitable for your ministry. You need these. And they are from God. And so then you turn the corner to 2 Timothy 4.1, where he says, in light of this, I am solemnly charging you to preach this word. In light of the fact that you will stand before God one day, Jesus Christ is your judge. He will evaluate your life in terms of what you did with the ministry, what you did with the word of God, what you did with this God-breathed word. You'll be evaluated. Therefore, he says in verse 2, preach it. Proclaim it, herald it, preach the word, that is to say, be reliable, be faithful to it, give it out the way God gave it. Secondly, he says, be ready, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Don't take a vacation from from evangelism, don't take a vacation from being aware and being ready to speak. That doesn't mean that you are simply uh, one who is like a recorder, just turn me on and turn me off, but it does mean that you are ready when the opportunity arises. 
And then he speaks about a ministry of restoring people. You're not just ready, but what do you do when you, when you open your mouth? How do you preach the word? Well, he explains it in verse 2. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. That is, deal with their sin and encourage them to right behavior. But do it, he says, with patience and do it with instruction. Give them, give them some solid reasons. Give them some doctrine. But be patient with them. That is effective proclamation. But that's where we stopped last week, but that's not where Paul stops. Because Paul takes us a step further, and this is fascinating. I, I found the study uh, to be interesting. Some studies are more interesting than others. This was fascinating because I think what we're going to see in verses 3, 4, and, and 5 is the, is the day in which we're living. And you'll, you'll relate to it in a moment. But Paul doesn't stop just with telling Timothy uh, what he should do with God's word. In verses 4 through 6, he tells him why he should preach like this. Have you ever wondered why? Why? If God is sovereign, and I believe in the sovereignty of God, why should there be an urgency? Why should there be a concern? God is sovereign. God will save whom he will save. And that's true. But that is no reason for us to sit back and do nothing. There is an urgency. There is a responsibility upon us. And in verses 3, 4, and 5, and really verse 6, though we will not get up to it this week, Paul gives us two reasons For effective proclamation, you ought to know not just that you should preach the word, but why you should do it. Usually the Bible doesn't give us a command without telling us why we should obey that command. What's the reasons for it? Usually God gives that to us. And we're going to look at two reasons why we should effectively proclaim the word of God. First of all, limited time. That's the first reason. That's what we're going to look at. Next time we'll look at the loss of teachers. But limited time. These are motivational reasons. They ought to motivate you. They ought to motivate me to be involved in proclaiming the word of God in a ministry of the church and as well as evangelism. But I think here the context would be more or less a a ministry to God's people, but with application to evangelism. Limited time. All right, let's begin looking at verse 3. This is very interesting. At least it was interesting to me. I trust it will be to you. He starts off by saying this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, he has just told Timothy, preach the word. Preach it this way. And then he says, for the time will come. Notice at the beginning of this sentence is that little word, for. Uh, This tells us that Paul is giving the reason to preach the word. It means because of. Here's the reason. Preach the word because, and the reason is that the time will come when sound teaching, the preaching of God's word, will not be tolerated. It will not be tolerated. People will not put up with it. They'll resist it to the point that they will not hear it anymore. They'll not allow you the opportunity to speak to them about Christ. Now, first of all, we need to determine who are the they. Okay, look in verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who are the they? You've got to do that when you're going through the Bible. They won't endure sound doctrine. Oh, what's the context? That's how you determine who he's talking about. And the context, in my opinion, begins back in chapter three, verse one. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And he explains the difficult times are for the church. Society always has difficult times. He wouldn't be saying that. He's talking about the church, and he explains in verse 2, the reason that it will be difficult and menacing and threatening for the church is that men will be lovers of self, and then he explains all the things that stem from loving self. 
All the garbage that flows out of that, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, etc. And then he says in verse 5, just so you'll know that he's talking about uh, the church, people who are professing believers, who are not really believers, but they're in the church. He says at the end of verse 5, and avoid such men as these. He's obviously not talking about society. You cannot avoid people like this in society, nor should we avoid people like this in society. We, we are to be involved with them so as to witness and share with them, and we are not to retreat from them. So he's talking about the church. The professing church is going to have threatening times because people are going to infiltrate the church who don't know Christ. And then he explains more of this. So now you go back to chapter 4, and you say, who are the they? And he goes on in chapter 3 to explain how they'll resist the gospel and they'll be false teachers and that. You know what he's talking about? The amazing statements that Paul is making here is that he's referring to a time when the professing church, not the world, the world has always hated the word of God. The professing church will say, we don't want to hear God's word. We're not interested in it. We're not going to put up with the Bible anymore. We don't care what our doctrinal statement says. We don't care that our founding fathers of this denomination believed the Bible and taught it. We're not interested. We don't care that the, that the former pastor spoke God's word. We're not interested in that. We don't care what our parents believed. We are not going to endure the Bible. That's what he's talking about, not society. The world has always hated and has never accepted God's word. They are hostile to the Lord. He's not referring to they being the unsaved in the world. He's referring to they being the unsaved in the church, which means it affects the the saved in the church. Always. In other words, there's coming a time when those who profess to know Christ won't tolerate the truth. And the truth here is called healthy or sound doctrine. It comes from, uh, we get our English word hygienic, hygiene from this word. It means healthy, useful, sound, healthy teaching. Now, when will this time take place? And that's an, an amazing statement. We're going to develop this in a few moments. When will this time take place? He says in verse 3, for the time will come. Well, I don't think Paul is referring to one final period of time, but rather that throughout history, there will be seasons in which people will refuse to listen to the truth of God. Seasons, epics, that's the Greek word. Seasons, There's the times will, will come and time will go. There'll be periods of time, not one final time, but periods of time, even in this church age, where men and women will refuse the word of God. Seasons will arise, which will be characterized by a resistance to God's word. Some seasons will be more characteristic of more resistance, but others less. And these seasons may vary from culture to culture, nation to nation, people to people. For instance, we see in our day and age a a more of an openness on the part of Jewish people than ever before. Take advantage of that. Seize that opportunity. There are countries now that are close to the gospel that years ago were not close to the gospel. And there are countries in the future that will close to the gospel. That's what he's saying. There are times that are coming that are in each culture and, and each uh, and each nation and each people. Uh, there'll be times where they'll not tolerate the truth. You see, there's a, a time period in which a people, a nation sort of agree amongst themselves, we're not going to tolerate it anymore. And the government closes its doors to missionaries, and uh, you're you're killed if you become a believer. 
we have people who we're going to be having a, a baptism before long, and some people have asked me about it, and they're very nervous about this. And I usually try to encourage them by saying this. This is the most supportive group of people you could ever get, you could ever be baptized in front of. If you were baptized in Afghanistan, it'd be the last thing you'd do on earth. In Afghanistan, you don't say, I'm a believer, I'm going to be baptized and expect to live to see tomorrow. In that nation, they've reached the point, and in others too. The time has come when they, when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not listen to it. So this is what Paul is telling Timothy. This is what he's telling him he's facing. Timothy, there is an urgency to this charge to preach the word because the time is limited. We don't know how long the church at Ephesus is going to, to listen to you, is going to listen to anybody proclaim God's word. So preach it now while they'll at least listen to you. While the door is still open, proclaim the word of God. Now that is a very important truth. Very important. In other words, speak while you still have an audience. How relevant that is to us. We're living in a, in a day in our nation's history, in American Christianity, when uh, really things are closing all around us. You don't have to be too perceptive to figure out that the time has almost arrived and is, is arriving already when the church in America will not listen to the word of God. In fact, someone like myself who has a commitment to preach the Bible would not last more than a week or two, maybe a month at the most, at 99% of the churches in this country. They wouldn't tolerate it. They wouldn't hear anybody deal with, with the Bible. They don't want it. They want magazine articles. They want philosophy. They want psychology. They want concerts. They want stories. They want positive thinking. They want things that, that make them feel good about themselves. They want liberal theology. They want politics. They want social issues. They want health-related issues. Everything but the gospel and everything but the word of God. The time has really come in America. I mean, the issues that people are debating are, are even nonsense in our country. There's coming a day in which it'll even get worse when fewer people will have an appetite for the Word of God. You walk into the typical church in America and you won't hear the Word of God. I quoted from Marv Rosenthal earlier. He told me about a year or two ago, he told me that, uh, I think he said, 95% of the churches in America don't preach the Bible. Now, this comes from a man who travels all over the country. And I don't know if he was referring to expository preaching or just believing the Bible and teaching from it. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what he meant, but regardless of what he meant, that is a, a high figure. And this is from a man who travels almost every weekend and many times during the week in different churches. You see, we have to understand there's a remnant. With Israel, there was only a remnant. Only a remnant, a small minority that seems relatively unimportant, that people overlook, and the church is just a remnant. The believing people in the church, the professing church, just a remnant. We're called fanatics. We're called narrow-minded people. We're, we're, we're told that we're on the fringe of real Christianity. However, we know differently. We understand that we are part of the remnant, and, and uh, there's only a few who really love the Word of God and love the God of the Word and want to obey His Word and are committed to it. And I think in days ahead, we're going to see a great deal of pressure put upon us to conform and not proclaim the word of God, to get into more psychology and positive thinking and uh, all kinds of things like that. 
If you confront someone about their sin, if you get up in, the, in a church in America and proclaim about sin and rebuke it, uh, they'll just say you're, you're outdated, you're irrelevant, you're, you're a fanatic. We don't, we don't believe that stuff anymore. You watch more and more and more. I heard the story about, uh, recently about a young, uh, high school girl who was giving a speech at her graduation and she mentioned something like this. And uh, I just want to thank the Lord for this wonderful, uh, year he's given me. And the leaders of that school said, you must cross that out. You can't give that. If you don't cross it out, you don't give that speech. And she decided not to give it. Now that's, that's ridiculous. That's absurd, but that's where our country is headed. So in light of this, we have to understand that we don't know how much time we have. And we've got to proclaim the word of God now. You can't wait and you can't say, well, I, I think uh, in a few years I'll be ready. No, maybe in a few years you'll be ready to proclaim more of it, but start now. Don't wait because the time is running out. So there will be a growing intolerance for the truth of God until that kind of resistance characterizes the time period. That's what he's saying. But why? Why? Why is this going to happen? I, when I study the Bible, I ask those questions. Why? Why is this going to take place? Why does God say this? Well, let's look at the rest of verse 3. For the time will come when they, that is the professing church, will not endure sound doctrine. Why? Because he explains, but wanting to have their ears tickled. Let's stop there for a moment. They want to have their ears tickled. They want to have their ears scratched. That's the thought there. It itches. They want it scratched. I, uh, I thought I would do a, a, a very deep word study this week. So I pulled out all of, all of my Greek, uh, helps and, uh, lexicons and, uh, I really wanted to dig and find out the meaning of having their ears tickled. And you know what I discovered? It means to have their ears tickled. That's what I discovered. Everything I could get my hands on said the same thing. It means to have their ears tickled. That's it. It doesn't get any deeper. It, and, and what he means here, that's really, that's just a, a, an expression in the Greek language that meant a craving for something new. I, I have an itching for something. I have an itch for something. I, I want something to satisfy me, something novel. They have ears that need to be scratched and, or, or tickled to satisfy them. That's, that's really the thought. I've got an itch. Would someone scratch it? And people do scratch it. They have an itch that needs to be scratched in order to bring some relief. And what is it that will relieve this itch? The rest of verse 3 tells us. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They have itching ears. They want to hear something that will relieve those itching ears. And false teachers will accommodate. They'll tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. They'll give them messages, Paul says, that will fit their sinful desires. Wouldn't it be great to go to the doctor and hear that you are in absolutely perfect health? That uh, even though you're in your 60s, you have the body of a 25-year-old. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But what if it wasn't true? What if you had a disease that could easily be treated, but if left untreated, would soon prove fatal? What if the doctor could save your life, but chose instead to tell you what you wanted to hear? that you were in perfect health despite the hidden disease. Well, we're all born with a disease called sin, and there are those among us who don't want to hear that they have that disease, even though it can be cured. They want their ears tickled. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and he's also the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
Stop in some Sunday if you're in the neighborhood and looking for a place to worship. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. The website is lakesidechapel.com. Or call the church at 727-441-1714. If you're among our visually impaired listeners, let me take a moment to tell you about an opportunity to receive a free audio Bible. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind, go to www.blindbibles.com or call 800-838-5924 to ask for your free audio Bible. That's 800-838-5924 or blindbibles.com. Verse by Verse is listener-supported radio. You can give online at our website, versebyverseradio.org or by calling Lakeside at the number I gave a moment ago, 727-441-1714. At the website, click the giving link to read our thoughts on giving and find out how easy it is to give securely online. We are as grateful for special one-time gifts as we are for regular monthly giving. But we do hope that you will continue supporting your home church at the same level of giving that you do now. We also have an extensive audio library where we keep all our previous broadcasts, and they are free to download or you can listen online. That's all at versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that sounds so critical. People don't want to hear that. They want to hear that they're good and that God is a kindly old grandpa who will let everyone into heaven. It's all about self-esteem now. No one, without help from the Holy Spirit, wants to hear about their shortcomings. But we won't be motivated to trust Christ for salvation until we become convinced of our need for salvation. On the next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will have more to share about ears that want to be tickled. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.